So what am I what am I doing? Wait, hold on, hold on everybody. This is episode 167, but it's not really 167. If it was 167, that would have meant I recorded one this week and I didn't cuz cuz I've been traveling. I've been on the road. I've been on the road with Anthony and and Mummy. Mommy's been mean to me for like days and days. So what I'm going to do instead is repost an old episode, number one, uh, no, number 86, episode 86 from May of something of something, May of 2016, I think. It looks like, anyway, this is my conversation with Wayne Fetterman, the, the great comedian, uh, writer and uh, and uh, and musician, actually. Now I was listening to Never Not Funny in the in the car while I was driving over here today, and here being Tracy, California, and Wayne Fetterman was on the podcastathon with uh, Jimmy Pardo and Matt Beltnap and and others, and that got me thinking. Hey, I didn't do an episode this week, so I better better put something up for the good folks at Podcast Radio Network at podcastradionetwork.net. And uh, and I got to thinking maybe I'll put up Wayne Fetterman. So this is 86, episode 86, which is available with the rest of them at milehighshow.com. And this is Wayne Fetterman from episode 86 back in May of 2016, I believe. Now, one of the reasons why I haven't recorded an episode this week is because I've been on the road, like I said. And I'm sitting here on the couch with uh, Gertrude. Hey. Gert- Wait, what's your name again? Jasmine. Jasmine, how old are you? Eleven. Eleven? Yeah. Weren't you, you? You've been like eleven for a few years, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to guess math is probably not your best subject at school if you think you've been eleven for a few years. <laughs> yeah, it's not my best subject. Okay, so it's in the middle of the night right now. You should be in bed, so that tells me right off the bat that uh, that uh, you're, you're you're just you're you're not a good child, are you? My dad lets me stay up on Fridays. <laughs> what? It's not Friday. This is Wednesday. No, it's Friday. No, it's Wednesday. It's Friday. 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 Don't you have school on the weekend? No. Why not? Because I don't. What? Because I don't. Because I don't. Why don't you have school on the weekends? I don't know. I that's that's the 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 downfall of public education. They should make you go to school six, maybe seven days a week. Okay, this is what I need to do. We're traveling. My my niece Jasmine is up in the middle of the night, which is it's 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 just a horrible example of 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 a good child. I, you should be in bed. I'm thinking what five p.m. at the latest. That's the latest you should be up. Hey, hey, nobody asked you, young man. <laughs> nobody asked you, young man. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Your experience. Your experience. Your experience. You are raised by wolves, young man. So you should you should not be speaking. You sh- you are raised by wild, wild, wild Arizona hillbillies. Look at her. She can turn around. Mommy's mad. Ow. <laughs> Okay, so one of the reasons why we didn't record is because we've been on the road visiting family. Congratulations to cousin Zachary and his brand new wife, 
uh, Marissa, uh, Zachary Yamamoto, my nephew, who's been on the show before. I forgot. He was on the show a couple of years ago when we were out here. Zachary Yamamoto uh, was married this afternoon. My nephew was married to his brand new bride, uh, Marissa de Chavez. So she is now Marissa Yamamoto in Fairfield, California. We just got back from the wedding. We've been on the road traveling to the wedding in Fairfield from Arizona. And we've been staying at Jasmine's house. And, uh, and she is up in the middle of the night. So this is what I need you to do. I need you to say, thanks for tuning in to the Mile High Show. We hope you enjoy our episode with Wayne Fetterman. Okay? Why? You got that? No. No, I don't want to. Yeah, say that. No, I don't want to. Let him say it. No. You yes, say no. Say, 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 thank you for tuning into the Mile High Show. No. Ah, you're a rotten, you're a rotten child. You want to do it? Okay, Anthony. Yeah, do it. Anthony, you're going to say, thank you for tuning into the Mile High Show. Thank you for tuning into the Mile High Show. Enjoy our episode from the archives. Enjoy our episode from the archives. With the great Wayne Fetterman. With the great Wayne Fetterman. And you can find all our episodes at milehighshow.com. And you can find all our episodes at milehighshow.com. And Jasmine has stinky feet. And Jasmine has... She does. All right, kick back, listen, enjoy 86 from the archives, milehighshow.com. Use that Amazon link. Then, if you use that Amazon link, you know what we could do? We could stay at hotels instead of hanging out with these Tracy Hillbillies. Man. By the way, uh, my name is Wayne. Uh, I like the name Wayne until the fourth grade when my teacher was like, you know, Wayne is also a word. I go, I did not know that. She goes, yeah, it's a verb. I go, what does it mean, like to run or to play? She's like, oh, no, no, no. It means to diminish slowly over time. <laughs> Even now, you're a little bit less than you were. <laughs> okay. Thank you for tuning in. This is Matt Santos of The Mile High Show. And you are listening to episode number 86. Uh, this is a very special episode for me because I got the opportunity to record somebody I have admired for many, many years, Mr. Wayne Fetterman, a comic, author, performer, actor, musician. He's everything and a very, very funny individual. And uh, I uh, interviewed a little different interview for me because typically I interview folks face to face, but he is a very busy man and was out of state. So I interviewed him through the telephone lines and uh, a little more difficult for me because I I prefer, like I said, face to face. I I like to disappoint people in person uh, as opposed to long distance. So but uh, hopefully it will be as enjoyable for you to listen to as it was for me to record. Uh, many reasons we're, we're talking with Wayne today. Uh, one, because he's just talented and I was presented the opportunity to, to talk with him. But more importantly is because he is on his way to Prescott. Uh, well, I don't know if he's on his way Right now, he's probably, well, at the time I'm recording this, he's probably asleep still. But this weekend, May 7th, he will be in Prescott at the Elks Theater and Opera House on Prescott's uh, right there off of Whiskey Row. 
May 7th, 7 p.m., he will be headlining a comedy, stand-up, sketch, and improv show for the Mile High Comedy Theater. Uh, that is our, our local comedy and improv troupe, led by Cynthia Kit Sobo, who, by the way, set this whole interview up. So thank you, Cynthia. I will thank you in person on Saturday when I see you at the Prescott Elks Theater to watch you guys, your troupe, as well as today's guest, Wayne Fetterman. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Amazon, where you can use the Amazon link at milehighshow.com, my own website, to uh, to order the Chronicles of Fetterman. He has been in the scene for, for decades, and recently, this past year, has put together 30 years of his library, comedic library, on a three-CD set, the Chronicles of Fetterman, that you can get at Amazon by using the Amazon link at milehighshow.com. What it does is it directs you directly to your uh, standard login page, whether that be for Amazon or Amazon Prime. Doesn't cost you an extra dime, but it does let Amazon know you got to them through us, and they give the Mile High Show a little thank you in return. So uh, check out uh, Wayne in person this Saturday, May 7th, as he headlines the Mile High Comedy Theater at the Elks Opera House in Prescott. PrescottElksTheater.com is where you can find ticket information on that. WayneFetterman.com is where you can find out all the information about today's guest, Mr. Wayne Fetterman. So, again, thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Cynthia. And thank you for tuning in and sit back and enjoy my conversation with the great Wayne Fetterman. If, we, if you're ready to go, we can, we can jump in now. Let's do right. it. Okay. My main goal, of course, is to uh, promote and get as many folks uh, aware of you coming into our area at the Prescott Elks Theater on May 7th, which will be a week or so after we post this, for a show with, uh, with the Mile High Comedy Theater, uh, a, an improv and comedy troupe up, up in our neck of the woods. What, uh, what, how, how, did, uh, how did that come about? Why are, we, uh, why are we blessed to have the great Wayne, Wayne Fetterman coming up to our area? Well, first of all, thank you for, for the exaggeration. I appreciate <laughs> it. That's nice. Um, it, this gig came about, or are you talking about how I came about? You need to know about... Uh, birthing and no. junior high school. What do you need to know? <laughs> How can, far back do you need to go? We can get into as much of that as you'd like. Well, but... <laughs> let me ask you this. I am very curious about that theater that I heard was once an opera house. Do you know anything about it, Matty? I don't know anything about the history. I've been in there to cover uh, cover shows uh, in the past many times. I, I work with local media here primarily as a photographer. That's my background. And I know it's just a beautiful theater, uh, and uh, I'm I'm glad that the management there has gone through. I've been in this area about twelve years or so, and they were in the process of a remodel and and re- restoration when I moved up here, and they're doing a fantastic job. It's just beautiful, but the history goes, you know, hundred years plus back there, and I I don't know a whole lot about the history. So there's a hundred years of history you know zero. Of. I know I I know very little about a lot of things and the Elks Theater is just one of those things I don't know very much on uh, 
I, I get stuck at, not stuck, that's a bad way to say it. I, I visit a lot of our, our historic places around here, but it's always work related. And I pop mm-hmm. in and out so fast. Uh, that's one of the reasons I started doing this podcast is that I can go in and spend time and kind of hang out with, with the folks and the places that I normally only see for a few minutes. And uh, so it's, right. it, this whole podcast is a, is a purely selfish motive on my part to, to get out of the house more. I love it. <laughs> and of course you're in the, your house right now. I, well, I'm in my garage. Uh, I, yeah, I, that's I, what I'm saying. So my, it's not really helping at all. Not, not a bit. And it's not a, not a real nice garage. Uh, unlike, you know, I, I guess that's where podcasts are supposed to be done now. You know, Marin and, and Fitzsimmons and a bunch of other guys that I, that I listen to. Um, but their garages sound a lot nicer than than mine. Um, but I guess the level of talent there corresponds to that. So I, I don't have any talent. So I have to sit in a real bad garage. It's dirty. All right. Well, I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to uh, get the image, but I'm looking forward to hitting this theater. It looks amazing. It, it looks is amazing. It so, is uh, beautiful and a lot of history in there. And from what I understand, uh, some of the past performers. This is the legend, anyway, that past performers from the 1800s and early early 1900s still wander the hallways, and that's... Uh, well, I don't believe in ghosts, but... <laughs> or maybe they're just... You're saying they're super old performers. I, probably a little bit of both. I'm not much on the paranormal myself. That's just kind of the rumors and the legends oh, there. you call it the paranormal. Is that... I don't know. Yeah. Was... Yeah, no, that's right. I guess that's correct. <laughs> Well, you you have a history of your own. Uh, I'm looking forward to an order I put in through Amazon a couple of days ago for my uh, my personal copies of the Chronicles of Fetterman. Yes, thank you. That thank you. Now I uh, I I am looking forward to that. I I. I'm a fan of yours of your stand up going going back a few years, uh, and I think the first one of the first. Uh, recollections of me seeing you perform was, uh, and I went back through YouTube and I think it might've been like an MTV show or, uh, one of those, yeah. one of those eighties. Yeah. And I cannot listen to Dokken without ah. thinking of you in your, <laughs> in your routine about your visit to a Dokken concert is. Yes. Well, well, we're talking about two things. One was just last year I put out a, my very first comedy album, which is a, three CD retrospect of my career, 30 year retrospect. And, uh, because I don't ask why I've never put one out. It just never happened. So this is, it starts in, I guess the first bit is from 84 about the 84 Olympics. And the last one's from 2015. So that's the end of last year. Um, and one of the bits on there is the classic and by classic, I mean, by the maybe thousand people who remember it, uh, routine about going to see a docking concert and uh, what happened there. But I'm assuming you saw that on, uh, there was a show called the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. I believe that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, all in black. Right. You're the man in black yep. for that one. That and and I I had the opportunity to see Doc and perform. Oh, I want to say late eighties, early nineties at the Keystone mm-hmm. in Palo Alto in the San Francisco Bay Area. And my uh, my uh, appraisal of the concert is much as the same as yours. I was there for work, and it wasn't my favorite show. <laughs> 
How? Well, it was. I was just having fun with those. <laughs> yeah. Kids. How? Uh, uh, that that's such a large. Uh, here's project. a little. Here's oh. a little bit of Fetterman trivia for you. Please. The Dockin. When I saw a Dockin in concert, it wasn't a Dockin concert. It was Dockin was opening for Aerosmith. Ah. Now that, so that's that's how I got the docking show. Just seeing <laughs> not many people know that. A little trivia. You are full of uh, full of interesting facts. I've gotten. Uh, well, I'm regressing here. I'm 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 I, I want to try and stay. I, I get off into weird tangents, and I want to try and stay as focused as I can because I know we don't have a lot of time with you. That Chronicles of Fetterman, the three CD set, is yes. such a huge undertaking to to compile that. Was that something you had been working on to compile, or I mean, did you have that library built up, or did you have to go out and hunt some of that footage down? Now, for the most part, it's uh, for the most part, I had it. I had it in the uh, you know my own archives, which you know, and archives sounds so formal as opposed to just you know, some tapes on my <laughs> shelf in my bedroom, you know, that's yeah. as opposed to this vault where you have to go in and there's a security guard there. So you, didn't, like have, that. you didn't have the Fetterman library set up. Uh, in- I didn't really have the Fetterman library set up, nor did I have like a vault or anything, but I, <laughs> I did have some stuff and I always wanted to, you know, was wondering what I was, what was going to happen with it. And the record company reached out to me and I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. It's been surprisingly well received. I went on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon to help promote it. And then uh, a lot of, uh, you know, websites put it on their top 10 list of the year. I don't know, but it's, if you, it's sort of like, it's a unique album in that it's, you get the whole kind of like development of a comedian as they started in comedy clubs and then went to L.A. after like eight years and then worked in comedy clubs there and then moved to theaters and some television tapings and things like that. So it's it's really fun. And by the end, the last the last cuts are like from I'm over like in Israel doing stand up. Like, yeah. And, you know, and I I entertain the you know, I, the one thing I wanted was that I didn't get as I, I did a couple tours of Iraq for the troops during the, uh, the war. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, I never really recorded those. So those were really fun shows as well. Recording, you know, performing for those kids. I'd say kids, they were yeah. young men and women and women. Yeah. You, you've got a, a clip or two of you. I think it's in a helicopter on your, on your website, on your, on yes, your, your yes, history. Yeah. There. Yeah, that's all we had. We, we shot a little stuff of me kind of traveling, but none actually doing stand-up. So I'm a little disappointed yeah. in that. Yeah, I'm any, now upset that I even brought it up. I <laughs> hope this didn't ruin this whole interview. Any plans on going back to uh, overseas and maybe well, capturing some? Well, I'd like to. I'd like to go to, you know, I mean, I know we're still, there's still combat troops in um, Afghanistan, so... I would be happy to go back. Well, I it, mean, I never, I never served in the military, so I feel like it's. I mean, I'm not comparing what I do to what those guys do, the bravery level, but it's something I really feel honored and am happy to do anytime. Yeah, to get to get over there and give give those folks some of the entertainment that uh, 
that they desperately need. Now, I don't know if you know much about this part of the state up in northern Arizona, but uh, here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Um, I used to date a girl from Jerome, who, which I think is not that far away from where you're at. No, about uh, 40 minutes or so from Prescott and right over the hill from where I am in Chino Valley. Uh, now, oh, what, yeah. what years okay, was that, that? Did you did you come out here and visit her yeah, here? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yep, yep. Once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a, it was like an old a copper mine or something, some yes. kind of mine. Old mining sure town. Old mining town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great little restaurants and boutiques and stuff. Some great music up there. I that loved way. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, I loved it. But all, I, I guess what you're going to say that there's a lot of retired veterans. Well, well, that, but uh, which there is, and there's a a very uh, well known and uh, VA hospital here in Prescott that uh, that is uh, serves a lot of the folks up here and from around the country. Actually, it's one of the better VAs uh, from what I've heard. Uh-huh. But also, if if you can't get overseas uh, to perform for the troops, there is a uh, just outside of Prescott, another mining town, Baghdad, Arizona, which uh, isn't quite war torn. But if you just wanted to get that uh, get that under your belt to get some footage of you performing in, in Baghdad, uh, Arizona, not quite the 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 original Baghdad, but but okay. kind of remote. Well, let me that we might be able to set me, you up with uh with a few minutes right. mic time at the gas station there if you'd like. All right. Well, <laughs> let me let me think about that. <laughs> Think about that. Now, you have, again, with with your compilation, 30 years worth of performing, you have uh, worked with and uh, and written for for some of the greats. And uh, and uh, I saw going through on your website, uh, might as well mention that here if I can get my glasses on, waynefetterman.com. There's a great uh, link there for kind of your history throughout showbiz, starting with some very early footage of uh, of you with the great Bob Hope on a TV. Oh, right, right. What, yes. what yeah, was yeah, the history yeah. with that? Well, that was <laughs> okay. Um, I was. This is this is what happened. I went to New York University to study acting in the late seventies, and. Bob Hope was taping this morning show. I would, and uh, he was like, "I, I want to talk to." He was like, "I want to talk to the young comedians and see what they're doing." So I was already doing stand up at college, but I wasn't like a professional. And uh, so I heard about this. So I went down to the taping, and they were like, "Is there any of the young comedians that want to ask some questions?" And I've always like kind of suffered from stage fright, although lately I feel like I for the most part, have it under control. And so I asked him about that, and that's where that little exchange came from. And I found it, I guess, you know, as fashion changes, he he was making a jibe at your, at your outfit while he was wearing this insanely plaid sport coat, which... Yeah, <laughs> I know. Kind of of course. <laughs> uh, the, the acting that you did, uh, I've... 
doing a little research, this was not something I was really familiar with. Your history with uh, with acting, you you did not. Uh, right, take you that knew me light. just as the MTV half hour comedy hour guy. Well, and through your stand up and 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 your right. songs uh, and and your movie work, which was extremely extensive, I didn't realize that had gone that deep until I started going through your IMDb and noticing. Oh yeah, I remember you from that, and I remember you from that. It's 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 really extensive and pretty impressive on on the listing of what you have appeared in but acting was not uh something you took lightly you you studied with some heavyweights huh yeah 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 there was a there's a there, when i went to nyu you could study either in with stella adler or lee strasberg were the main two programs there i picked adler because I don't want to go drill too deep into this, but she, modern acting kind of started with this guy called Stanislavski with the Moscow Arts Theater, and she actually studied with him in Paris for a couple months. So, um, so I thought she, and she was also Brando's, Marlon Brando's yeah. teacher, and he did pretty well, right, with acting. <laughs> not well with diet, not great with diet, but excellent with acting, excellent with acting. So uh, so I was like, let me go with that. But I also went to many Strasbourg, who was just kind of more lecturing as opposed to teaching at that time, classes there as well. So it was very, it was really fun. It was the end of those, you know, the era of the of those those guys. Was that the direction that you had planned on going, the serious acting before comedy, or or was no no no? This was the the plan, the Fetterman plan early when I lived in Florida, when I was just a kid, um, was to be a comedian who could also act like that was, that was the plan. And that very interesting. Now, did the, did the acting help you with your stage presence or was the, was the goal to move into comedic films and, and, and that route or a little bit of both? question. That's a good question. I don't really, yeah, I really think there were kind of two different tools, to tell you the truth. I hate to break it down into baseball terms, <laughs> but I feel like stand up, stand up, you're basically the writer, the director, the performer, obviously. You know, you're sort of creating the whole thing. So you, it's very much your, your baby. You're in control. Whereas acting, you're, it's not what you want to say. It's somebody else's lines. It's you're told where to stand. Somebody points to you and you talk and then you try to create, I mean, try desperately to create what looks like a living situation under very false circumstances. That's really what acting is. So, um, so they're two completely different tools. Do you have a preference of what you obviously your your success? Yes, on I the do. Stand-up it's called stage. stand-up. That's, I prefer stand-up. That's I prefer it. stand-up. Do you consider no yourself? No question. But oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was no, say, no. Do... I'm saying I prefer stand-up. I prefer stand-up. I know this is the problem because we're not face to face. We're talking on the phone, and I I don't mean to talk over you, but it's uh, I prefer stand-up for creativity. Although I will tell you this. I do like being in movies just for the ego part of it, that, which is, uh, you know, just like, oh, 
because I'm a movie I'm a movie fanatic. Like yeah. I know a lot about the movies. I've seen a lot of them. I actually have my own film festival out here. I do a, I do a lot. I just love movies. I love them. That and your film festival, the Wayne Fetterman International Film Festival. This is year five, yes. correct? Correct. Now, you, there, I was reading an article, and I, I, I apologize, I, I don't didn't write down where uh, where it appeared, but it was a, a story on the fifth annual, the one that just passed, and there was an interesting quote in there, and I I'd like you to comment on on how if this is specifically for relating to the film festival, or for it, if it also goes into other aspects of your life, uh, they asked about, the, the writer had asked about, or mentioned about how the comics choose different uh, different films to, to watch and discuss, and that's not something you partake in. You host it, and, and what was quoted in the article is because you get enough attention already. It's your festival, it has your name on it, but does that also translate into into other aspects? Because you mentioned you like being on the, in films because of what it does for your ego, as and 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 lets you stretch a different different artistic muscle. But is that humility? Does that go through the rest of your life, pretty much, or or because most comics that that I observe and that I've talked to, and I haven't talked to a whole lot. But it's that desire to be in the spotlight, to have that control of the mic for for that five ten or, or hour, whatever whatever you're performing, and for a comic to say I don't need the attention, to me sounds uh, not normal. Is is that representative of you as a person, or or just with the with the festival? No, 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 no. I mean, the weird thing is, it's. I mean, that's a multi-leveled question. <laughs> it's a specifically rambling question. To the festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically to the festival, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, my name is in the name of the festival. So it's like I, I get enough attention for that specific project that I'm like, oh, it's Wayne Fetterman, it's this dude, whatever. In the big picture, um, you know, I'm... I mean, every comedian wants to be famous, not so much because you're like, oh, I want to be the famous person, but like that's the sort of, that's the biggest prize you can get as a comedian because then you can travel the world and you can sell out places and you can do what you want to do all the time. So it's, um, so that I'm still, still, you know, was I don't want to we'll use the word struggling, but still I'm keeping my focus on that as well. So, gotcha. and but you know I mean I'm a comedian. I'm a working comedian. I you know I have a pretty good body of work, but I wouldn't say I'm like super famous comedian on the level of let's say Louis C.K. or Amy Schumer or you know even going back to what we were talking about earlier, like Bob Hope or. Yeah. Carlin or I'm not I'm not in any of those leagues as far as fame. So um so yes, I would like more att- more attention <laughs> but it's but I do like my career also. I like every part of my career now. So it's it's not like I'm a, like I'm upset or I'm focused on it every morning where I wake up like why can't I be as famous as, you know, uh, uh Pat Oswald or something. Yeah. So 
So that's uh, I know that's a crazy answer to that question. Uh, do you think some of that of you not being obsessed with it? Because, you know, a, a lot of folks do, you know, especially in the age of social media with Twitter and and, mm-hmm. uh, and that yeah. con- constantly checking, seeing how many followers, seeing how many retweets, how many interactions. If does it help you to not get so caught up in that because you're 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 you've spread out so much in the area of you know uh writing performing acting stand up you you've you've uh, been able to be successful in so many different avenues does that help you not obsess about uh, any one or the but other maybe maybe that's a good question i don't know i don't know i don't know i just um I don't think I have that like, like a burning like every day. That's all I think about, kind of. Because I think when you see my comedy, and hopefully you come to the show, it's on in a couple weeks. May seventh, right? May seventh at seven yeah. p.m. at the Prescott Elks Theater. So, seven seven, yeah. Hopefully you'll come to the show. I don't want to force you to. You don't have to. Um, yeah, you'll see. You'll see. Like, I really, like, I p- take my most pride in, like, my work. Well, you know, that what I do on stage. So that's, that I focus on, but not so much, like, how can I, you know, because if you follow me on Twitter, which is at Fetterman, I, I don't tweet a lot. I don't tweet, <laughs> I don't tweet a lot. So it's, it's not, maybe I should, maybe I should, but I yeah, these are good questions. I don't. I don't know. So let's just leave it at that. Well, again, you've you've uh, tackled so many different mediums, and like you said on Twitter at Fetterman and Instagram, Insta Fetterman was Fetterman already taken? Yeah. I'm just curious. Was it already taken? Um, the straight. I think it Fetterman. was. I think it was. <laughs> I think I tried to get. Yeah, I think I tried to get it, but it was too late. Yeah, your your. Uh, Writing uh, different projects that you've done, I read a few articles where you've uh, you've uh, kind of dissected comedy a little bit, but you've also gone uh, in completely other directions. Uh, uh, what was it about ten years or so ago? Your your book on uh, Pete Maravich. How did yep. that, how did that come about? First off, what the, the title and it's also available on Amazon, so you can go through the uh, yeah. Amazon. If you're interested or remember about this phenomenal basketball player Pistol that Pete. lived for 40 years, yeah. What, do what, you remember him at all? I, I do. I remember uh, back when, specifically, uh, when uh, New Orleans moved to Utah and, and kept the name of the right. Jazz, uh, he was, what, one or two years there before retiring? He was less than a year there. Really? Less okay. than a year. And then... Then actually moved to Boston and played there with Larry Bird, and then retired. What uh, what what was the germination of that that project? Why uh, are you just a sports fanatic? Were you a Maravich fanatic? No, or? but I am a bit of a basketball. I, w- I would I wouldn't use the word fanatic. <laughs> I'm a bit of a. I would say I'm a basketball lifer. I still play basketball. It's my favorite sport, and. Um, and I was fascinated by the Pete Maravich story when I came across it. Um, I was more of like a Dr. J fan when growing up. Yeah. And the more I learned about Pete, there was more, there was a very Shakespearean aspect to his career. 
and uh, there had never been an authorized biography other than his autobiography that was, I felt, a little incomplete. And so we contacted, and here's the interesting Arizona connection, a writer here in Arizona named Marshall Terrell had started the process and then brought me on. So that's that's actually how I got involved with it. What what grabbed you about uh, about the Pistol Pete story? You say it's Shakespearean. In what way? What what were some of the things for oh my for, goodness. for, for myself mean, who's multiple. not real familiar with his life? Okay, well, I'll do it in a nutshell. But uh, Pete Maravich was was remember we were talking about being obsessed and focused on like uh-huh. being famous earlier in this conversation. Well, Pete Maravich is a kid was consumed by the idea of being a great basketball player. And basically during the school year would practice four hours a day and during the summer, eight hours a day by himself learning this remarkable array of skills to the point where he was like beyond what anyone could believe you could do with the basketball. Like finally now with Steph Curry and all like it's kind of catching up to what he was doing back then in the you know sixties and seventies, more of he goes to LSU, coached by his father, and uh, sets scoring records that still stand today. This is before they have the three point shot. It's so easy for him to put in baskets, dribble behind his back. It's like a globe trotter in a real game. So he becomes this legend. He's on the cover of magazines. He goes to the pros. Pros is not fun for him. Like he finds that people have different agendas, that the sports writers don't like his sort of fancy ball handling and skill uh, skill set with pass, fancy passes. So he becomes depressed and actually ends up not liking playing basketball. Again, this is the Shakespearean part. This is someone who basically threw away his childhood so he could be this great basketball player and ends up not liking playing basketball. So his one dream to make this all worthwhile is to win a championship to mitigate all this criticism. Sure enough, he comes very close with the Celtics at the very end, but it doesn't happen. He blows out his knee a couple of years earlier. I'm going a little out of order here, but it's, it's, he comes close, but he can't do it. He can't scale that wall. He, he, it's like, I think Sisyphus is the germ. I mean, German, the Greek story where it goes up the mountain and it goes back down. So he retires. He's despondent. Finally, finds some peace with religion, and uh, kind of comes to term with his basketball career. And uh, playing a pickup game, dies of a heart attack at age forty. This is Pete Maravich again, mm-hmm. who scored more points than anyone who's ever played college basketball and is still top 20 in the history of the NBA in scoring average. So he's like one of the, so just, just amazing, amazing otherworldly player. They do an autopsy and they find out that he's born with a, a uh, defect in his heart that he was born without a, I believe left ventricle. So, um, so he shouldn't have lived to the age of twenty. Let alone accomplished and, what he did on the court. Of course, yeah. of course. And if you saw him play, he's played with a certain 
high speed ferociousness that was just spectacular to watch. So, so for all those reasons, I was like, wow, that is really a compelling story. Cause most sports stories are tough childhood overcomes a thing, gets there and then wins a championship and it's happy, you know, yeah. secretariat, all of that kind of stuff. Even Jackie Robinson, they're all like, they win a world series. This is the other side of that story. So it really was very compelling to me, and that's why I thought it would make a great movie and would also, you know, make this great book. Yeah. So that's how I got involved. And the title of the book again? Just Maravich. Maravich by Wayne Fetterman and Marshall Terrell with cooperation with Jackie Maravich, which is Pete's widow. Yeah. And just a little self-plug here. You can get that through Amazon by using the Amazon link at milehighshow.com. How's that? How's oh, that, how's that for gonna... weaving in a commercial? I like that. <laughs> I, like that. I like your move. <laughs> now, uh, if we can't, I know you, uh, you, you need to get, I don't want to take up your whole morning, but I, I do want to touch on, on, on uh, something another basketball fan pickup games that uh, used to happen every Sunday, according to uh, to what I've read. Uh, and your friend, Mr. Gary Shandling, who recently passed, mm-hmm. if you can uh, if you can touch on uh, one your relationship with uh, with Gary and uh, what he meant to the comedy community, not just in uh, Southern Cal but worldwide. Well, it's interesting because just this is we're talking. This is Tuesday morning. Right now we're recording this. Uh-huh. You might be hearing it on a different time. We uh, on Sunday night we had a big memorial here out in uh, California for him, which I was very much you know involved with. And uh, you know he was just a, a dear. He was a big supporter of mine. I don't know why he really took a shining to me. And one of the great honors I had in my life, besides playing in that basketball game for 20 years every Sunday, was um, being on the Larry Sanders show and playing Gary Shandling's, I mean, Larry Sanders' brother, Stan Sanders. So it was um, was a real honor, especially because I don't know if you know, in real life, Gary Shandling had an older brother who uh, passed away. And one of the reasons, you know, Gary is from Arizona. I'm sure you know that. Um, And one of the reasons he lived there was his, uh, was for medical reasons for his older brother who was sick. Wow. That, I I mean, I don't know if that still happens, but when I was a kid, there was a lot of times when people would have certain diseases and stuff that like the prescription was, We'll move the kid to the dry climate of Arizona, and you won't have to deal with that. Yeah, rest- like, does that still happen out there? You know, I, I not to my knowledge. I don't know, but uh, again, it's one of the many things I know nothing about. But uh, yeah, respiratory <laughs> respiratory <laughs> issues, the dry climate. Yeah, uh, a lot of people yeah. get here. Uh, you know, of course, to get out of the colder climates of the of the Midwest and the East Coast. But uh, Shanling's impact on on the comedy scene in the in the late seventies, early eighties in L.A. and uh, and continued through with uh, the Gary Shanling show and Larry Sanders and uh, just groundbreaking on so many levels. And uh, oh, no question, no question. To be able to work uh, I mean, side not... by side with uh, 
with that uh, with that talent. Well, it was you know, and I mean, without getting too personal, um, it was just fascinating for me from going from like a crazy fan of his to being on the show and hoping that I did a good job. You know, again, going back to my acting roots was a little more of that was very helpful in that situation. And then he would come out and watch me do stand up and give me notes till right to the till the end. We were in we were talking on the phone and I would see him and would, you know, would see him every Sunday and yeah, you know, it was very it was became very we became very close like friendship, like texting each other. So that that whole arc was very interesting and I really hold it very that friendship was very special for me. Well, what a great sentiment! Great sentiment. Now, he also, if I if I have my my information correct, Gary Shandling was the the uh, first one uh, in the inaugural season of your of your film festival. Is that correct? Yes, he was the very first one, first screening. That was f- five years. Well, I guess yeah. four years ago. Even though we just did the fifth one. Um. Yeah, and he he showed a movie. The, the, my festival, just to recap, is I have comedians select a film they love, and they introduce it with me. We screen it, and then we do a Q and A afterwards about the movie and what we saw. And so that's it. So, like for example, we had Aziz Ansari did Back to the Future, and there was a comedian named Dana Gould who did Doctor Strangelove, and. Uh, we just had Tignataro out here, and she did Urban Cowboy. But the very first one was Gary Shandling, and uh, he did The King of Comedy, the 1983 Martin Scorsese movie, yeah, and how that influenced the aesthetics of the Larry Sanders show. So it was, it was just a great, it was just great. So I really am indebted to him for even kicking off the whole idea yeah. of that festival. And what a great premise for for a festival because like like you mentioned some of the titles there it's not necessarily comedies that they're discussing it's just the, uh, films that had an impact on the I know like yeah Exactly there was a uh, there's a movie Bill Burr I don't know if you're familiar with this comedian oh, yeah. he selected yeah he selected this uh 1967 Robert Aldrich movie called uh, The Dirty Dozen, which is a war picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, with Cassavetes and Jim Brown's in it, and I think Ernest Borgnine's in it. George and, Kennedy, yeah. Charles Bronson. Yeah, 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 the whole gang, the whole yeah, gang, yeah. The, the bunch of misfits. So, um, yeah, so that was that was a fascinating screening. So that's so you get to sort of learn about the comedian through their choices of film. Yeah, you mentioned Dana Gould. I got I had the uh, the privilege to to photograph one of his shows a couple of weeks ago, out here in uh, in Phoenix, down south from where we are, and uh, just a dynamo on stage. He is uh, he is extremely extremely entertaining to watch, and I've been a fan of his for a number of years as well. Much like, uh, much like I am a fan of of, of yours, Mister Wayne Fetterman, for thank you uh, for thank decades. You. I That's enjoy nice company. <laughs> yeah, That's nice. I hold yeah, I hold Dana Gould in very high regard. I really think he's a unique voice in stand up. Yeah. 
Well, I uh, appreciate very much your taking some time to sit and uh, and let me record your voice. I am looking forward to meeting you in person on May 7th. I, I will... can't wait. You're going to be there. Yes, You're going to be there. I will be there, and if it's okay with you, uh, I will be taking some photographs as well. Uh, I, Absolutely. Like I said, how, did, now, how does that work? Now, after you take the photographs, do I have to buy them from oh, you? No. <laughs> What's the system? What's I the will... system? I will give you whatever you uh, you want from your time at the Elks Theater. Uh, okay. Like I say, I do I do some work for local media up here. I was with our our one and only paper for about eight nine years, and now uh-huh. uh, freelance with some online publications up this way. And uh, and of course, I'm going to want some photographs to go along with uh, with my website, MileHighShow.com. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And if if uh, it should be, according to my Amazon account, my copy of Chronicles of Fetterman should be here a couple of days before that show. So uh, if uh, if it's okay with you, I want to bring it in and let you scribble on it for me, if that's all right. Okay, I have to say something about that. Uh-huh. This is gonna. This is minutia. I, I'm happy to sign anything, anytime. But for some reason, the cover of that and the, it opens up. It's a three CD thing. You'll see, it's uh-huh. quite fun. It's like I don't know if I have the right kind of pen. Like I've tried the Sharpie, <laughs> I've tried the the silver Sharpie. I might be one of those pens where you have to push down and get the ink going. Do you know those? Yeah, things? it's a little probably too. What slick are those called? Them? What are those pens? What are those pens called? Where they, you like? They are the pens that wreck my shirts, is what they're called. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're terrible. Like I, so I might not be able to. I'll, I'll sign something. I'll definitely sign something. But it might be the disc. We'll, I don't know. We'll I'm going to figure something. this out. Or, I'm going to figure again. This is weird. You know, I've never had a CD, so this is all new to me. <laughs> and I'm going to bring. I'm probably going to bring ten CDs to sell. So, oh, great! So great. 10, That'll be the, well. That'll what, be it. What I'll do, it, just in case, is I have this note paper in front of me where I have your your website, a couple of little notes, and then another note that I scribbled on the top that says "Turn off web and data on my phone so we wouldn't get uh, interrupted on phone calls." I'm going to bring that. Uh, on May 7th at 7 p.m. to the Prescott Elks Theater. And if you can't sign the CD, I'll have you sign my, uh, if it's okay with you, sign my notepad here. Uh, I love it. Where, and again, tickets for that show, uh, Uh You can pick up tickets there or, uh, of course, buy them at the door on May 7th. Uh, one quick question. Before we go, and then I'll let let you go, feralaudio.com is where you can find uh, the archives of Human Conversation with Wayne Fetterman and Aaron McGathy. Now, social media, the web, podcasting has made it uh, so we can constantly get... uh, get uh, entertained by uh, by folks at any time any whenever we want so i am slowly catching up to the human conversation i've downloaded all the archives and will binge listen to them i was just going through the last couple is it going to continue now that aaron is uh is overseas well I, you know again i thank you for listening to that um <laughs> Yeah, Aaron is back for a couple months from Ireland. <laughs> it's a whole story about uh, myself and this girl, Erin McGaffey. Um, she's back, and we're going to do a couple bonus. We're going to call it the summer season or something like that. So there's going to be a few more bonus ones. And, 
Yeah, but it will continue, but not the way it was where it was in every week. Yeah. Kind of situation. Well, that will give me time to uh, binge through. Now, I, I jumped right in at one of the the last couple was when I started and uh, got to uh, uh, listen to a conversation about going to a strip club. So I will have to go through <laughs> and listen to to the rest of them. I, I, I would love to sit and talk with you more. Again, you've been so kind to carve out some time this morning to uh, – to record, but uh, your I just encourage folks to Google Wayne Fetterman, go through and read all about uh, about uh, you, your career. Pick up a, a copy of Chronicles of Fetterman. If you can't do it online, show up at the Prescott Elks Theater to to pick up your copy in person. Um, but right. you're, you've through your writing, you've you've there were several articles that I that I read over the past few days where you're analyzing comedy and, and humor and uh, kind of the state of comedy. I can't remember exactly where it was from. I'll link it online, but you, you kind of dissected the way uh, comedy is digested these days with, again, podcasts and social media and things. So I encourage folks to, uh, to find out as much as they can about Wayne Fetterman. Yeah, I, I loved writing that article, yeah. and thank you very much for even reading it. You're, I appreciate it. I'm very touched. You, one of the books that I've gotten recently is The Comedians by Cliff Nesteroff. And, oh, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah I, that's I, a great book. After re- I haven't tackled the whole thing yet, but in preparation for for this conversation, I, I went to the back and pulled up the pages where you were mentioned, and uh, oh, I don't have it in front of me right now. But uh, you caused me to go get that book from the seventies that you quoted in that in that uh, in, in the in the comedians by Cliff Nesteroff, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was from it was a, a history of comedy and stand up from written in the seventies that uh, I have ordered. Oh, the, the last laugh. That's the last it. Laugh. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I am waiting for that to arrive. And again, thank oh my you. goodness, that book is not an easy read. He writes in a very jazzy. I know we're really drilling down deep into <laughs> comedy nerddom here. I apologize, but he writes in a very kind of jazzy style. Very, uh, uh, but it's interesting. You can glean a lot out of that book. But my favorite book written about stand-up is outside of the comedians, which is great. Is a book called. Um, Oh my goodness! Gerald Nachman wrote it. Now I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, oh, something I can't think of the name of it. But it's about the '50s and '60s, and it's really, really good. It's about Lenny Bruce and uh, Jonathan Winters and all of those guys, Nichols and May, you know, um, Woody Allen. It's really quite a book. I will. I can't remember. I title. will Google but that. Gerald Nachman. Yeah, Gerald G E R A L D Nachman. Too guess, early. Too uh, early. Uh, okay. I'll look for it. But hey, I go through these these jags where I get uh, I I I just devour stuff. Uh, but I got I do it in binge form, so uh, I, I lock myself away in my office and uh, and and uh, annoy my wife when I fall down these rabbit holes. So I will All look. Right. I well, will I look, look for that. I look forward to meeting you, seeing you in uh, in Arizona, 
at the mile high. Do they have oxygen? Am I going to need oxygen? <laughs> no, I think we will be uh, we will be well well oxygen oxygenated. I think that's a word when you show okay. up. So I look forward to meeting you in person again. Thank you so much for uh, for carving out this time. I, I know we went a little longer than you had planned, so thank you again for that. You're you're very welcome. I'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, we'll see you on the seventh. Thanks again, Wayne. Bye bye. Okay, bye. Well, that was it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Wayne Fetterman. Don't forget to uh, come see him live this Saturday, May 7th at 7 p.m. at the Elks Theater and Opera House in Prescott, right there uh, near the Courthouse Square. Ticket information for the May 7th show is available at prescottelkstheater.com. All brought to you by the Mile High Comedy Theater and their director, Miss Cynthia Kitsobo. So thank you again, Cynthia, for setting this up. Thank you, Wayne, for uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk with me. Uh, to, again, today's show is brought to you by Amazon, and you can pick up Wayne's compilation three-CD set, The Chronicles of Fetterman, A History of His Comedy from 1984 to 2014, 30 years worth of... Ex- extremely uh, funny comedy by uh, by Wayne Fetterman. The Chronicles of Fetterman, available at Amazon by using the Amazon link at milehighshow.com. And find out all about Wayne, waynefetterman.com, his Twitter, at Fetterman, Instagram, at InstaFetterman, and check out feralaudio.com. We talked a little bit about that. Again, feralaudio.com, which is a uh, uh, a portal to tons and tons of podcasts and comedy content. And you can hear Wayne Fetterman and Aaron McGathy on The Human Conversation at feralaudio.com. Again, thank you, Wayne. Thank you for listening. And we will see you all May 7th for Wayne in person at the Elks Opera House. <laughs> So uh, I've seen a lot of performers, and uh, the one person I never saw, and he's not performing anymore, and I never got tickets, uh, now it's too late, is Beethoven. So I'd like to do now. (laughs) My impression of maybe what a Beethoven concert might be like. Please welcome, direct from Bonn, you know him, it's Beethoven. Thank you very much. It's great to be here tonight. Just so you know, because it's the last night of the tour, I'm just going to play the hits. Just going to play the hits. But I start every concert the same way with the question, are you ready to classical? Are you ready to classical? I can't hear you. No, I, I, I can't hear you. I'm completely deaf. It's a miracle I can play piano.